Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Yes, yes, people. My name is Dave Fensom here with another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. This is part one of a very special two-part episode. It wasn't designed to be a two-part episode, but we ended up talking for far too long, basically. That's the reason this is happening. The idea was, if you've been listening to recent episodes, you'll know there have been some quite bad albums that have come out this year we've had to talk about a lot of stuff we weren't that enthused by um, we know that some of you really like listening to when we go in on an album but others people like to hear a little bit more positivity um, obviously we really enjoyed REM last week if you haven't listened to that episode go back what are you waiting for but this week we uh, hit upon a couple of albums that had come out during the Eurythmics massive nine week run with their greatest hits album Sailing the Seas of Cheese by Primus and Smashing Pumpkins Gish so we decided to talk about them now this was supposed to be one episode but it turns out that when we get wanking on about records that we really like we talk a load of old bullshit so this is part one we're mainly talking about the Eurythmics uh, and Primus in this one then it will stop quite abruptly because as I say we didn't design this as a two-parter and we'll be back next week with the Smashing Pumpkins episode um, as I say we were going to put both out today but we had an enormous issue with uh, a mostly edited podcast getting completely deleted from our computer so it's, we're going to stagger it two weeks uh, for you then we'll be back the week after that with our episode on seal so yeah what's been going on in our lives at the moment uh, Chris is keeping busy running the pub I'm uh, I'm about to go on holiday I'm going to Florida for 10 days I cannot wait I'm having the most childish holiday in the world I'm going to ride roller coasters go on the Harry Potter stuff gonna go and do some halloween stuff at universal can't wait mate gonna be uh, gonna listen to very little 90s music i would imagine um quite looking forward to a week without phil collins to be honest with you but yeah it's gonna be great times and this podcast as always is brought to you by on the edge comedy on the edge comedy is brighton's best new act new material night coming uh, on the first and third fridays of every month at the carolina brunswick pub we've got one coming up this week on the 4th of October, uh, where we have got the fantastic Stella Graham headlining for you. Uh, really looking forward to that one. Uh, as always, we've got a great lineup of supporting acts on there that we've handpicked. It's a great night. It's only £6 at the minute. The price is going up fairly soon. Uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, it's a great chance to see some of the stars of tomorrow uh, as I say some of the acts that we've had on previously at our shows have gone on to do amazing things uh, and are slowly becoming household names so uh, yeah get in and see the acts before they become famous is my advice to you ladies and gentlemen um, with no further ado we're going to crack on with this special episode of Pop Collaborate and listen get in contact via social media let us know if you enjoy it take care <laughs> Yes, people, welcome to another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. My name is Dave Fensom. I'm Krista Greer. We're here with Waffles the Dog and we are lounging today, lounging on that bonus episode tip. Yeah, no, we are. We're giving ourselves a bit of a treat, really. It's a, it, some might say a cop-out, some might say... Uh, fuck a cop-out, uh, uh, man. Uh, uh, you know, going against our own rules, but no, we've done this before, fuck yeah, it. Yeah, well, look, man, this is, this is a special episode. We, uh, basically, the reason we're doing this one is we've... Uh, We've, we've hit a point in 1991 where the Eurythmics Greatest Hits is going to be number one for nine weeks. Well, this is it, right. So we did R.E.M. last week. R.E.M.'s out of time. And then the next number one, if we're doing it strictly in order, is the Greatest Hits. And we've always said we don't do Greatest Hits in detail. We kind of skip over to the next actual album that's number one. Yep. But this one, Eurythmics, it, well, it's like number one for ten weeks, but it's nine weeks in a row, and then something else comes in and Eurythmics goes back. Sure. So it's forever. It's a long, long time which does mean that there is a lot of stuff that comes out in that time period 
which is actually very interesting. Oh, and there were, uh, I mean, there's a couple of particular bangers Precisely. that have got some a little bit of meaning for both of us. And selfishly, we thought we'd uh, take you on a trip through those a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, the format of today's episode is we're going to talk a little bit up front about the Eurythmics. Then we're going to break. We're going to do the albums. Then these albums are going to come out of that. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about those. We're not going to do the whole albums. We're just, we've picked a few tracks each. We'll yeah. let you know highlights. as we go. Yeah, highlights. That's what we're saying. Uh, and we'll just we'll, see what else is going on you know, in the charts at that time as well. We'll like, yeah. talk about a lot of different bits that are happening. We'll fuck around, man. But uh, yeah. basically, look, if you're here to... If you're fed up of hearing a slag stuff off, and we know some of you guys are, we know some of you mainly come for that, but we also know, <laughs> then uh, this will be an episode we'll be on a happier medium, I yeah. would say. It's also, uh, it turns out it's actually possible that some of you might be in bands that we have slagged off listening to us. Uh, someone contacted me this week, a friend that told me that they have a friend who's in the band The Farm and that they forwarded the episode onto them. They hadn't listened to Without listening, That's the thing. They hadn't listened to it. Because he was like, oh, I hope you liked it. I've sent it already. Yeah, he yeah. said, oh, yeah, we saw Jesus Jones listen to your podcast. So I thought, oh, I've got to make this into this. I'll send it off to him. Yeah. Very different story between those yeah. two records. So I, if this goes off the air, then we've either been sued or beaten up by some scousers. <laughs> yeah, quite. I uh, think uh, we did have uh, someone, uh, Niall, a uh, friend of the podcast, Niall Bakewell, contacted us and said that he met the farm uh, back in like at 91 or 92 at a Radio 1 roadshow in right. Northern Ireland and he said that they were the nicest guys he said and they I, were do you know such what? I'm sure nice that's guys. the case and, and I'm not, they are. I feel bad no. but I stand by my comments on the album I have to that's it anyway look uh, actually I met a, I met a dead person Yo, did you? apparently he'd bought the farm oh no <laughs> which brings me on to a, a, a Twitter comment from uh, from our, our friend Jackie at Bird and Button uh-huh. on Twitter she uh, basically got in contact uh, and said yeah, she agreed with us it was a terrible record but she was bringing um, me to task on my uh, on my dad jokes in what way well they're just saying that I needed to stop them basically she's yeah. telling that to you yeah and I basically because the point the, I, the point I'm getting to here right is I want to be very, very clear. I only do these jokes because Krista fucking started it with the Elton John shit, and now I'm just letting him know that I can do it too. Yeah, but you really have... You've hammered that point an awful lot. You uh, could just stop. You I've could... got ADHD, mate. It's impossible. Uh, I see. I'm, I've got hyper-focus on it. None uh-huh. of this is true, but I'm going to fucking <laughs> keep on with them. Um, yeah, we actually had quite a, nice, uh, quite, quite a nice week on social media this week. Um, just want to uh, give a shout-out to new listener, Gary Russell, who's mm. uh, been turned onto it by long-term listeners, uh, Mike Collins and Rafa Davis. Mike Collins is always very nice about us. Uh, as is, Thank uh, you, Mike. As is, uh, as is uh, Matt, who, which is uh, Rafa Davis. So yeah, a big, right. big shout-out to those guys. Hope you're enjoying listening to this on your morning commute. Uh, it means a lot to us that you keep listening to it. I've met both those guys as well. They're both sound guys. Met them at gigs. Oh, and Martin Young's been in contact with us. He's he's uh, he listened to the REM podcast yeah, last week. Last week's one, uh, which only came out today, just to give you a timestamp of when we listened to it. And he actually got a really good uh, suggestion. We were talking about artists who actually get better over their career. Well, we're uh, talking more that most of them don't. Well, yeah. I, I, I mean, my my uh, theory was that everyone declines in quality. No one is as good as they were 20 years on after they start. Yeah, but as is always the case, it appears that the one exception to that rule is Beyonce. Yeah, apparently so. So, yeah, no, yeah. Martin's, Martin's making a case for, uh, for her basically just, just for getting her getting better. better. A sixth album being the best and the promise of even better to come, he says. So, right. uh, do you know what? I'm going to check out some album. I've never listened to a Beyonce album, truth be told. No. Uh, big fan of the hit singles. Oh, I get, great I, of pop course. Artist. Brilliant pop artist, brilliant greatest hits. I'm, I'm absolutely sure of that. I don't know how much I'm going to get out of an album, but you well, know, I'll, I'll take I'll take uh, some see, advice. I don't know, man. I'm I, I think I I'm probably more inclined to get something out of it. Yes, than you. maybe I, I don't know. That's well, a, that, that's a very presumptuous thing to say, isn't it? Well, it is, but it's also true. Also, um, actually, this week we had another very nice review on our Apple Podcasts from a new listener. Oh yeah, who was yeah. that? Uh, it was from someone called Seth Rogers. Okay, uh, he said, uh, "Just sorry that I didn't know it existed until last week. Having great fun catching up." Well, big up, Seth. Yeah, well done, Mum. Thank you for everyone that gets in contact and uh, emails and reviews and all that kind of stuff. Uh, please continue. We yeah, like that. We're trying indeed. to grow all this social media shit. We're rubbish at it, truth be told. Yeah, well, we're two middle-aged men. 
No, yeah. this is not we our are. forte. I know we're rapidly approaching middle age. I think, I think I'm pretty sure I changed it on the website. Have you? It, I fucking hope you have. It's not caught up on all the because the really, links. There is nothing worse than a man, uh, 43 and 44 <laughs> year old man going, "Well, middle age is coming soon." <laughs> how, long, how long are you thinking you're living? I've seen your diet, oh, mate. I'm, I'm two thirds through. Yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> God, I don't want another four years of this shit. God, me either, mate. I've God. given up drinking as well. It's awful. Fucking what? Uh, right. No. Right, okay, look, with no further ado, Mr. Krista. Okay, so let's have a look at Eurythmics. So this, like I say, was number one for 10 weeks in total in yep. the UK. This was massive. Um, putting it all in one place, because this was their first greatest hits album. Yep. They'd been, they started in whatever, like 81, 82. Probably 82, I think, was the first single. 83 was their first album. And this greatest hits spans... 83 to kind of 90. But the yep. 1990 hits aren't the big hits. Nah. It's the period really we're looking at is 83. Almost to about 87, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Because the couple of, the last couple of years of the 80s, they weren't doing big business. But for five years or whatever, they were massive in the 80s. Oh, for they sure, They were man. everywhere. And they, in fact, I was looking at what albums are included on this. And the first five tracks on these on this greatest hits are from two albums that were both released in 1983. So wow. if you're putting out that amount of output, that is good enough to be on a greatest hits. You know, the first five tracks are Love is a Stranger, Sweet Dreams, Who's That Girl, Right by Your Side, and Here Comes the Rain Again. You know, those are five big singles. I remember all of those being in the charts. Mm-hmm. And that's off two albums both released the same year. Sure. That's mental. Yeah, they were, you know, it's kind of, the rhythmics fall into that little bubble where their massive success mm-hmm. and their meteoric rise was kind of a little bit peripheral to what I was aware of. Do okay, you know I, mean? sure. I was a little right. bit too young. Okay. To be, I mean, I remember all of the songs being around, but I don't think I was really aware of the Eurythmics as the Eurythmics. Sure, okay. Until later down the line, you know. Okay. And obviously, you know, coming through, you know, this period of the 90s, we start getting into Annie Lennox, Songbird, and right, all of these kind of stuff. big solo period, which, you know, for me is significantly less interesting. Oh, definitely. Definitely. It yeah, was that- a bit, again, it was a bit more kind of for the mums. Oh, absolutely. And I would say that you can almost plot... Uh, trajectory from the early singles, which are more for sort of electro, electronic based, um, a bit weirder, you know, a bit more kind of out mm-hmm. there, stuff like Love is a Stranger or Sweet Dreams, through to the late 80s ones, which are stuff like Thorn in My Side or Missionary Man, which are more kind of standard pop songs, and then through into the Annie Lennox solo stuff. That, that seems to be a bit of a a path. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, man. Uh, there is no other band, I don't think, that you could chart and say, okay, so they're kind of, you know, they've kind of got a singer with a really big, soulful voice, mm-hmm. kind of, then you've got kind of synth pop, but then it's a bit bluesy, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of a bit kind of stompy. It's very 80s, mm-hmm. you know, but then there's a, a wide range of kind of real instrumentation in there as well. It is... You know, I mean, the only people I think you could make a real comparable claim to for that kind of eclecticism, and again, without that voice, is someone like Tears for Fears. Oh, I see. Much less successfully, I would say, over a right. period of time than, oh, okay. than the Eurythmics. Well, I mean, obviously, obviously, you know, you can say, like you say, like the early stuff is, you know, kind of got a very Depeche Mode kind of tinge. Yeah, well, indeed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's why I've got notes. Like, I reckon they're peers. Uh, in terms of just their influence and where their their base was, I reckon their peers are people like Depeche Mode, yeah, Soft Cell, yeah, Human um, League, Human League, Yazoo is the is the one because whenever you were saying all those adjectives, mm. I think Yazoo have those things where it's kind of the uh, electronic pop stuff and a big soulful voice. Yeah, because you, yeah, you got Alison Moyet, Alison Moyet in there, and I was yeah, I must admit that was that that is a really good. I mean, you can kind of say Bronski beat as well. A Absolutely, little bit that's true. For, yeah, for Jimmy Somerville, sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, I guess there so are there, there were some definitely. Yeah, but but Eurythmics were head and shoulders above them in terms of success. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, these, you know, look, we've got an 18-track. I sat and listened through to this, mm-hmm. and I had a lovely time listening Absolutely. to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a couple where you go, oh, whatever, yeah, yeah, that's a couple, all right. But, you but... know, I mean, out of an 18-track running list, I would say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'd say there, there are nine songs on there that I really, that are really pr- top like. top quality. Yeah, really fucking yeah. like. I mean, you know, there must be an angel. What a tune that yeah, is. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like that whole dude, I did. Oh my god! Well, it's it's now you know, kind of 
part of a different vocabulary because it re- or the dance stuff. Uh, sure. Who was it? Uh, Utah Saints, was it? Yeah. Do they use that? I mean, do you reckon people are still banging the Utah Saints these days? Oh, I reckon they are. Mate, I've got uh, people who work at my place who are sort of, you know, 18 to 21, that sort of age. Yeah. And they fucking love a bit of 90s rave. They love the Utah Saints. That I, I wouldn't bizarre. have seen that coming. Bizarre. Anyway, um, uh, get them to listen to our podcast then. There's all kinds <laughs> of stuff Sure. God. Never come back to work for me. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, sisters are doing it for themselves with that mm-hmm. ridiculous... Aretha Franklin. Yeah, no, that's a great tune. Yeah, I mean, who's that girl? Yeah. You know, not as good as the Madonna version, obviously. <laughs> I know it's a different song, but yeah. don't at me. Uh, it's all right, what a fucking Baby's tune Baby's Coming that Back, is. that's a brilliant song too. That's yeah. such a And tune, I remember man. that really well from... Uh, I was definitely aware of Eurythmics absolutely all the way through. I think uh, my mom and stepdad had a couple of the albums and they were played in the house as well, but they were all over the TV and they were all over the radio. And so, and then whenever I started buying the hits and the now albums, the, the later ones were on there. And so I was definitely very aware of Eurythmics. But those four songs I've just named, yep. right? That, this is the thing that I'm thinking that kind of strikes me straight away, mm-hmm. right? Okay. There must be an angel, sisters doing it themselves. Who's that girl? It's all right. Mm-hmm. How different are the vocals on each one of those They've songs? They've got such a range. I mean, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then you go, you've placed a chill in my heart. What a tune yeah. that is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Sex Crime has not possibly aged as well as it could have done. I, I like Sex Crime. I do. I, well, I like Sex Crime. That's a fucking... I like Sex Crime. <laughs> and so does my wife. <laughs> I mean, that's that's badly. That's a bad joke. I, fucking hell. I, I, I kind of lumbered into that by mistake. Yeah. Anyway, Thorn in My Side. Thorn in My Side, brilliant song. And yeah. Angel Man. Oh, my yeah. God. And another thing I noticed about this um, when reading through that, you say this is an 18 track album, yeah? The US version was 14 tracks. Yeah. Uh, it, had, it had one totally different song, but four tracks, or five tracks rather, were actually taken off the UK version to go into the US. So if you were a band, right? Yeah. And you've got enough songs that you can take off Right By Your Side, mm-hmm. Sex Crime, It's All Right, Baby's Coming Back, You've Placed Chill in My Heart, and The Miracle of Love, and still have a greatest hits. Yeah. You've got a back catalogue to oh, die mate. for. I mean, that's insane. I mean, uh, my friend Lee Lewis shouted me out towards uh, Missionary Man as well. Uh-huh. She said she was that's that was her shout of really. Uh, and, uh, like, that's a very yeah. later one. Yeah, like uh, uh, that was a kind of like a, a a track that doesn't get enough love. Okay. that's where she was coming from. And I think she also recognised that we would enjoy the amount of sax that was in it. No, yeah, no, that's the thing. It is that's a very late eighties. I mean, that's song. a sax crime. Oh, he's done it. Yeah. I mean, there's tracks on there that I don't, you know. I mean, like, you know, like would I, uh, would I lie to you? It's kind of got a bit of a status quo kind of eighty st- soundtrack kind I mean, of feel to you've, it. You've sold me. Yeah, of course, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I remember. I think the ones I remember most um, and remember most fondly would be uh, "Love Is a Stranger," "Sweet mm-hmm. Dreams," "Here Comes the Rain Again." I, for some reason, I remember that very well, and "Miracle of Love." I don't know why. Miracle, I was like 11 when that came out. Mm. And I remember loving that song. And that's not a song that for, for 11 year old. It's a sort of slower, more introspective, torch song kind of thing. I know, but you're, but, a, you're a strange child. Well, as we've found out many times. Gothic. Yeah. Well, they, and you're right. They did have they had loads of different styles. Uh, they had, uh, they, they, they're starting off with that kind of electro, mm-hmm. new romantic y thing. They've got some which are more kind of the soul thing. Some are just like ballads, like love songs. They've got proper power pop stuff in there. Yeah. And, you know, be it right or not, but right by your side, which, shall we just play a little bit of this? Yeah. I mean, again, this is different again. This really reminds me of something. Well, is it Calypso? Because the steel drums and everything going on here. Look, right. I am not completely against the steel drum. One of my favourite songs of all time heavily features steel drum. Um, Let me guess. Uh, you, uh, no, I'm not going to get it. I can see from your facial. No. Uh, Jane says by Jane's Addiction. Oh, I see. Okay, right. Yeah. Still drumming. I mean, yeah. And, you know, watch Stephen Perkins play that motherfucker live. Oh, I bet. Oh, my good God, Lord. So good. Um, but but it's, 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 it's just, I thought it was a funny one. Just that they just chucked a little bit of uh, I mean, carnival in here. Everyone had to fucking throw some reggae in, in the 80s, <laughs> it's didn't they? It's true. It's absolutely true. 
Yeah. It was the uh, if you didn't get you got picked up by the police police. <laughs> nice. Mm. Uh, but oh no, okay, so I'm I would count myself as a fan of Eurythmics. Yeah. I'm definitely a fan of this greatest hits. Sure. Yeah, I mean I, I you know, again, Eurythmics are one of those bands where I think like, oh, you know, I uh, I, I should spend more time listening to the Eurythmics. Sure. And in fact, you know, I, I, one of the things that I have done is I've gone and I've grabbed a few more of these tracks and thrown them on my greatest pop songs. On your, oh, nice, nice. Oh, which, which ones have you done then? Like, if, if in terms of picking a couple, what 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 ones well, really got you? I, I mean, to be honest with you, if I'm going to put, I mean, I think uh, there must be an angel was already on there. Okay, but. Uh, you place the chill in my heart wasn't on there. That's right. definitely going back. And in. that went in. Okay, it's all right. I'd forgotten existed. Yeah. That's such a tune. Yeah, no, that is a brilliant, brilliant one. All the the little kind of the um, the dual vocals on that, mm-hmm. where it's like speaking to yourself. That one, I'll be number on you, what, and I'll be. It's fucking lovely. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And, you know, and you, you can't underestimate. Uh, you know, Dave Stewart in this as well, man. That's true. You know, there true. are such interesting choices. And there are there are instruments and sounds in these songs that you don't expect in pop songs. Mm-hmm. You know there are some really unusual choices made, and yet everything comes together. Yeah, that's, that's that's the thing. It's like when you've got a load of stuff kind of mashed together like this, it's either a fucking mess, or there's something in the midst of it, and it transcends everything else because right. it doesn't sound because no one else sounds like the Eurythmics. No, no, I think that the people would. People tried to, yeah, but no, that was a real alchemy went on there. Absolutely, no, mm. definitely, uh, right, cool. yeah, cool. Uh, love the Eurythmics. Um, nice, enjoyed that a great deal. Good. Well, as it turned out, as we've said, so did the British public. Ten weeks at number one, sold around about seven to eight million copies around the world. So yeah, everyone loved Eurythmics. Anyway, right, okay, okay. so so that's... Eurythmics. So uh, what I've done for in terms of kind of a snapshot. Because this was this was number one list date wise uh, from the twenty fourth of March to the thirty first of May yeah. in nineteen ninety one, so a big old span of time. I have picked a week uh, towards the end of its run. So here's your top ten albums, okay? Uh, so this is the week of the May fifth to the eleventh. Nice. So it's yeah, like I say, towards the end of the Eurythmics run, but it's still middle-ish. Uh, Strangler's Greatest Hits number ten. Nice. Simpsons Sing the Blues. R.E.M. Number, out of time at number eight. Yes, Union. I, I didn't realise Yes were still releasing records in 1991. I mean, I don't think you, I don't think anyone can ever stop Yes releasing records, no, can true. they? No, uh, true. So that was number seven. Uh, Simple Minds are at number six with Real Life. Mm-hmm. KLF are at number five with White Room. Mm-hmm. Roxette with Joyride at number four. James with Goldmother okay. with a re-release of that uh, at number three. And then uh, Best of the Water Boys at number two. Oh, fucking Water Boys. Yeah. Yeah, I never got that. I don't get that. It no. wasn't for us, though, was well, it? No, it absolutely was not for us. But I remember in 93, 94, or whatever it was, whenever I was uh, DJing at kind of student pop nights, mm-hmm. you had to play Hole of the Moon. It was one of those big sing-along ones, like The Monkeys, I'm a believer. It was like it got into that range. Yeah, it's. You know? I mean, mm. there's no accounting for cunts. Well, quite, quite. I mean, look, and to be fair, the whole of the moon is not a bad song. No, it's not. People, a, a group of people on mass singing along to it is one of my worst nightmares. I see. Do you know what I mean? It's like, like you know, when we were in Edinburgh and it's those fucking oh, pricks. The silent fucking, discos. The silent discos, man. Yeah. Like, fuck, I, I swear, there's been like fucking think pieces in the Guardian about that. Some people <laughs> trying to defend them. It's like, mate, like. I, I, you know how the fucking Viet Cong felt when the American troops were invaded. It's like, do you know what I mean? I just wish I could pop out of a manhole cover in Edinburgh and fucking blow a few of the cunts' legs off. Well, well, on that note, uh, let's have a look at some other things that will make you a little bit more happy. There's, there's a load of albums, right? The first casualty of silence disco is innocence. <laughs> oh, God. Play your fucking albums. Right, so... Uh, in, in, right, in the time period of the 24th of March to the 31st of May, loads and loads of albums released. Right? Yep. So this is this is another reason that we've actually done this episode, because there's a shit ton of stuff that never got to number one that is worth mentioning, right? So we've got uh, Living Colour with Time's Up, uh, oh, which got to number 20. Nice. Uh, the Cure with an album called Entreat, which I don't remember at all. I don't remember that, no. Nah, got to number 10. Sepultura's Arise was out in this period, got to number 40. Ned's Atomic Dustbin's Godfather, 
mm-hmm. uh, which I fucking loved. I, I loved that one. That got to number four, which I don't remember it getting that high, I must admit. I was surprised to see like, like a top five album for Ned's Stomach Dustbin. I'd like to point out that I fucking love Arise by Sepultura as well. Yeah. I'm so tempted to get tickets for that show. Where they're oh, doing, right, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're getting back together and it playing will be all the thrash albums. Fuck me. Oh, so it'll be over in about 45 minutes. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Um, Lenny Kravitz, Mama Said, that uh, was out in this type of period and got to number eight. Nice. Mr. Big, Lean Into It. Couldn't tell you what else is on there, but I'm assuming to be with you. Yeah, is, is I'm that sure one. that one is on there. Yeah, Circus video and all. It's the only reason that will have got into the, the top 75 I over mean, here. Come on, man. That, that video was on MTV was every constant. 20 minutes. Yeah, it really yeah. was. It really was. Um, Massive Attack's Blue Lines. Which got to number 13. So that was out in this couple of months. The Orb, uh, Adventures Beyond the Underworld. That's out. In Spiral Carpets, The Beast Inside. That got to number five. Did it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, off the back of that one big single, I'm guessing. It must have released it just after. Which was a big single? Uh, uh, this How It Feels to Be Lonely. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Fuck, God, I fucking hate that song. Oh, see, I really enjoyed that. I, I like that. The Fall with Shift Work. Right. That got to number 17. I mean... I had no idea The Fall had a top 20 album. I mean... Uh, I would imagine I had more than one, surely. Uh, just, like, maybe so. But... Weight of fan base must be big first week releases, surely. Uh, yeah, uh, obviously. Mm. Obviously. I I suspect it was diminishing returns as he released the same album every year until he died. Mate, we're going we're gonna to get hate mail. I know, that. I know. The fall was never for me. Uh, EMF, Schubert Dip, got to number three. Nice. Yeah. E, ecstasy. M, motherfucker, motherfucker. motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, that was good fun to sing along to when you were sixteen. Cause yeah, it's a bit rude. I, I, I thought it was on the uh, on the B side of uh, of unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I think I was so naive that I didn't realise what ecstasy was. Oh, I see. Mm. You just thought, oh, they're happy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh they like you know having fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Uh, Della Soul is dead. Was out, and I got to number seven. A roller skate jam from called Saturdays. Saturdays. Ice T's OG original gangster. Now that's, I mean, that's a record that I could talk about for some time. That yeah. was a really seminal hip hop record for me. Was it? Okay. Oh, for sure, man. Like that. I mean, that tr- album is. I I don't think it gets the the props it's due to this day. Okay. There are bits on that album that take that West Coast sound. It's still in that deep in that sample culture of hip hop, mm. but it's gangster rap pre G funk. Uh-huh. Like kind of post yeah. post NWA. Pre, and it, what I liked about it is whilst it was still of that kind of gangster caricature that we have they hadn't gone anywhere near as cartoony as that second NWA record oh I see okay right. which was also this year yeah right. but I mean that Ice-T record uh, you, yeah. know, I, you know did you have it at the time then yeah man yeah. I, I mean dude I, 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 I lived and breathed this. I, I could probably rap probably every word on that album to well, this day I, we won't. I like this challenge but yeah, yes but that album is fucking great man and it's really cool. really underrated it's ne- it never gets mentioned in the pantheon of hip hop records it really doesn't well Ice-T doesn't much you know because uh, he is a bit of a cartoon character uh, yeah he is but like people forget man like you've got to give Ice-T credit well, that kind of that, that stuff where he started kind of channeling the last poets mm-hmm. uh, and kind of all of that kind of iceberg slim kind of pimp sure, culture yeah. stuff. No matter how fucking wrong the politics of that are, I'm not arguing the case for that. But that sound, OG for me, is where everything came together. Oh, right, it was, yeah. It was, it, and it was just like the... Because after that, you get Home Invasion. And, yeah. I, you know, Home Invasion, it was, you know, kind of... It was it was a lot of controversy. It was obviously the st- the time he was having all the issues with Warner Brothers, and he was like the kind yeah. of the, the hitman, a cop killer. And yeah, well, exactly. Body kind had been out in the meantime. Exactly, yeah. exactly, right. And it was a whole media for Ferrari, and I'm sure that Ice T financially did very, very well. Oh, I suspect so. But I, but somewhere in that controversy, I feel like his contribution as an artist has been lost. Maybe so. Um, and you know, I I think there are other rappers that kind of. Uh, get props that maybe he deserves. Oh, fair enough. Okay, well, that's that's a, a fair viewpoint, I'd say. Yeah, that's a great record. OG, check it out. Okay, there you go. There's your recommendation of the week. Uh, other albums, Temple of Dogs, self-titled. Was oh, fuck me. See, that's one of my favourite albums in the world. Really? I mean, it absolutely is. Yeah. Uh, you know, like... The asshole, selfish part of me. When Chris Cornell, for anyone that doesn't know Temple of the Dog, it's basically the project uh, that Chris Cornell used to be roommates with Andrew Wood, who was in Mother Love Bone. Uh, Andrew Wood died of addiction reasons. Uh, and this is the album that they brought everyone back together for. 
to basically kind of do a tribute to songs that were knocking around and things like that. And it's this fucking beautiful record with Chris Cornell's amazing voice all over it. It's generally slightly lower tempo songs. Yeah. Kind of uh, stuff that really kind of gets me in, in that kind of bridge between Mother Love Bone and what would become Pearl Jam because okay. obviously the the thing about Temple well yeah so yeah the other the other people in it you got Stone Gossard you got um, but, Mike Mike McCready I think yeah and Eddie Vedder did some vocals didn't he well yeah I mean Eddie Vedder came in to guest on Hunger Strike right which is obviously the song that did the, the massive single. massive rotation yeah. it kind of hit quite a bit after this though didn't it, it kind of, oh is that right I think this song as I recall and I, you know my memory's scan I've done mm. no fucking research but as I recall I think this song hit after the success of some of the other like, in inverted commas grunge bands do you know what I mean okay um, okay but yeah I mean I mean, Hunger Strike is a perfect fucking song no it's a great tune ah oh, fucking makes me want to cry that song and like when Eddie when, and when Chris Cornell died the fucking selfie part of me went I'll never hear those songs live oh I see because right. they right. never they never bought it here I mean, like we know people that went over and saw it in New York. Yeah, um, yeah, they did a couple of like the Reformation stuff, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, I'd have, I'd have. That's kind of the it's big. A, that's a big fucking. That, that, that's a big hole in my heart. That okay. I'll never see those songs live. It right, really sure. Is. That's an album I come back to all the time. God, fucking same week as OG. Or is oh it, no, it was same same few weeks. Fucking, this is a good time for music. Oh well, man. this is it. You, you know, this is an absolute litany mm. of stuff. Uh, there's, um, in fair enough, we're not necessarily going up to those peaks again. Dream Warriors, another legacy begins. Yeah, you know, silly pop rap album. Terminator X and the Valley of the Jeep Beats was out, and I remember having that. I loved that. Uh, that I, do you know great. what? I, re- I remember I had that in my hands in Soul Sense in Luton. Yeah. And I think it was about seventeen quid on vinyl oh, or something, okay. and I was like, "Oh, I'll get it another time." And I never went. I never got it. I don't no. think I've ever heard it properly. Either. Oh, I mean, some of it because it's obviously it's Terminator X rather yeah. than uh, an actual rapper. Mm-hmm. Some of it is just instrumental messing around mm-hmm. hip hop stuff. But then when Chuck D's on it, Sister Soldier does a track on it. When he gets guests in, some of those tracks are blindly because it is it's like he's just taking the pure public enemy furious beats yep. and got some other people in as well fair do yeah, so no, there's, there's some good bits on there I need to go back and check that out I wonder if that's on Spotify it's the kind of thing that might know. not be but mm, alright I'll true. check that out uh, and the other one I've got is Mercury Rev Yourself Esteem which is I think their first one mm-hmm. and I remember that being highly touted at the time I was never a fan but uh, it was I, a big influential one I, do you know what I, I've Goddess on a Highway is probably the only Mercury Rev song that I know well. Right, sure, sure. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that either. I think no, it's, it's okay. It's, it's not my. It's yeah. not my, I mean, I think Goddess on a Highway is a great tune, but it's not, it's not really my sound. No, no, not at all, not at all. But right, the other two albums that were out in this time are the ones that we are going to talk about yep. today. So on May the fourteenth, nineteen ninety one. Primus released Sailing the Seas of Cheese. Yes, they did. Which I know you are a huge fan of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, for, for, for chronology reasons, uh, you know, I wouldn't get into this record until, like, you know, next year, basically. Really, yeah. 1992, 90, yeah, 1993 is when mm-hmm. I got into this record. Uh, obviously, this is their first record on Interscope. Yes, it's their first major label one. For anyone that doesn't know who Primus are, they're a kind of three-piece band out of the Bay Area of, uh, of the US. In terms of um, where you are at this point, the original guitarist, is Todd Huth, has left. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, the first major label uh, release the last one was Frizzle Fry on Caroline Records, uh, but this is the, this is the first major label release, and this couldn't sound less like a major label release. Really. No, it's, this is. I mean, obviously there are other bands coming through, as we see throughout this. You know, there are bands coming through who the major labels are like, oh well, you know, the such and such a kind of a sound is doing well that we need to yeah. find something like that. To me, a major signing Primus is them going, oh, this could be the new you know, X or Y, and then it absolutely isn't. But it's not just a major, though, man. This is Jimmy Iovine. Uh, I suppose. Or Jimmy Iovine, as that he likes to call himself. And this dude always had a fucking note. I mean, if you watch the documentary, The Defiant Ones, mm. it's the guy who had a real fucking idea of who the buzz bands were. Yeah. The bands that were creating something different. And, like, Les Claypool, who's basically the front man and the, the lead guy from yeah. Primus. Yeah, he's the impetus behind the band. Yeah, like main songwriter. And, you know, he's a, a bass virtuoso. The whole sound of Primus. And you cannot mistake any other band mm-hmm. for Primus. No. Uh, you know, if you hear a Primus song, you know it's Primus. If you hear everything else, 
that's not Primus. Yeah. Unless um, you hear Sausage. Oh, I see, yeah, which, which was, he was also, yeah. Well, which which was the original lineup of Primus doing an album after the fact. Anyway, that's right. an, uh, un, but, but, an yeah, unnecessary he, geek knowledge. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, no, he, he's an amazing bass player, which yeah. comes through in all of the songs because they're so bass-heavy uh, led. But like half the time, you know, if you didn't know it was a bass guitar, you may not know. No, because because I mean, this dude plays multiple uh, like kind of bass polyrhythms, like yeah. two or three things. He'll be like playing one kind of bass line with you know kind of two fingers, playing another with the other, and right. tapping out another rhythm with the other hand. Gotcha. It's fucking ridiculous the way he plays. Then he but they, they've got uh, obviously uh, original member Todd Huth had left at this point, so uh, a guy called Larry Lalonde had come in. He was mm-hmm. a good mate of. Uh, Les Claypool's and also like as I recall a, a pupil uh, who'd studied with uh, what's his oh, name uh, was it Manstein no um, uh, Satriani Satriani oh yes, Satriani. yes right yeah sure so again like a really accomplished technical player yeah uh, and on drums uh, Tim Herb Alexander who is that's insanely just good. a fucking yeah. machine oh, and man. you know as we play some of these songs it was Obviously, the the bass is at the front of everything, mm-hmm. but it's the drums that fucking kill me on everything. Right, so let's let's. Um... Okay, so so what we did on this one, uh, you chose five songs to kind of to represent this album yes. that we would have a little bit of a listen to in a chat about. Yeah. So we'll go through the the five that you chose off this one, and the first one you wanted to do, do was Sergeant Baker. Yes, indeed. What track number is this on the album? Three. Track three, right. Yeah, it was us. All off kilter. It's like, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. I mean, little discords. There's a fucking accordion in the background. Mm -hmm. Weirdness. Twinkly, twinkly. Aggressive funk coming through. It's raw. This one is really raw. Yeah, this is re- this is this is Primus at their most kind of strips down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you know, well, like, you know, you got this, um, you got this kind of wonky fucking groove. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's like a drunk staggering. Groove. Exactly right, but it's kind of got that March timing in it as well. Yeah, uh, which and, is apt. And you know, like. Whichever way you mix it, Les Claypool's voice is fucking weird. Oh, God, yeah. And it's deliberately weird, but it's really unique, right? Yes. And, you know, I can see how people can really take against Les Claypool's voice. Um, mm-hmm. But I never have. I've always enjoyed it. Uh, and, you know, so you, you, obviously the, the 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 point of this song, a lot of these songs are stories on here. Yeah. That, that kind of, they tend to be fairly... Uh, literal in, t- in the way that the lyrics are written there's, n- there's not a lot of kind of metaphor and right no it is what, it's what they're saying is what they mean sure so it's, you know, it's a song about a kind of arsehole sergeant major drill instructor type guy yeah right? um, but my god the little you know what I like about this song is you've got a, a, what is a relatively simple groove that is just made slightly off kilter by the way they present it sure and you know it's tight as fuck. It's so, so, so tight. Yep. Uh, and you just got these, all the way through it, just ridiculous little flourishes that kind of... The, the bit where it goes from the... The yep. break, uh, into the... Dun, 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 pause. Yep. Bow, 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 which is... It just takes it off the beat again. Yeah. Before going back into it. And this song was such a bastard to dance to. Oh, it's impossible. Yeah. It's, oh, it's all not impossible, but no, because but it, it stomps. But you it, need to know it and I danced, intricately. I danced to this song a lot. Yeah. You know, there was that period where this would get played at clubs, fucking loved it. Right, sure. Um, um, this is a great one, actually. I yeah. do. Th- I, uh, I thought, and I've always thought, because whenever I did play it at clubs myself, you have to cue it up to sort of... 12, 13 seconds in to avoid that faffing yeah. at the start. Oh, you do. I don't think that faffing is necessary. Uh, I think you can go straight in with the and you're away. Yeah, I mean, it kind of, you know, if you listen to it as uh, an album, it kind of does, I think it, you know, yeah. it, little bits like that kind of hold an album together, I think. And yeah. Then, you know, you can pull it out of a single version. True. Well, that, yeah, I, I would have preferred a, uh, a club edit 
on that one. Well, you know, you possibly, t- you know, Jason Nevins remix. Oh, Nev. Breakdancers <laughs> in the video. I'd, I'd love that, yeah. And I'll tell you what, I've never looked at the lyrics of this song before. Because okay. Because you, you can make them out. But I, I, what I did fucking pull out today, right, for years and years and years, there's a bit where it's steers and queers, steers and queers. Yep. Uh, all you got here is steers and queers, which obviously, if you think I'm being horrible, it's that that's from the point of view of the drill instructor. Uh, he's yeah, well, isn't that also like a direct quote? Yeah, and the cat, from, um, Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket, yeah. Um, but your next, uh, Sears and Queer, and uh, the next lyric, I've just been thinking for years is, you ain't got no whores, boy. Like saying that that was, uh, your town didn't have any whores, okay. so you were less manly because of that. Right. But of course it's, you ain't got no horns, boy, because... Or where you come from is just steers and queers, and you haven't got any horns. Oh, I see. So I, literally, uh, just right. today I read that. I went, oh, you fucking dick. You've had that wrong for wow. 20 plus years. Yeah, my God. That's wicked. That's, uh, <laughs> it's always nice and refreshing little uh, n- something new. So we've all learned something today. Yes. All right. Well, the next one then you, that you put onto the playlist of what we're going to talk about is uh, American Life, which yes. is track number what on the album? Uh, this is number four. So, so this follows directly so, on from Sergeant Baker. American Life. <laughs> And that's just one of those trademark Les Claypool bass lines, yeah. isn't it? Where it's like, how many fucking strings are you touching at the moment? Oh, it's all of it. He's got eight hands right now. And now he's singing over it as well. Yeah. Well, singing is a, you know, a strong... Oh, yeah, but listen to the rhythms that he's playing. Oh, no, listen to what he's singing. Well, he's a musical fucking genius. Now, as this guitar comes in here, I love this. There's a brilliant groove. Yeah. yeah. That groove and that guitar's just like soaring all over. Yeah. It. It's much more kind of downbeat and dark, this song. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is the thing, right? You know, like, the thing you hear from, uh, the thing you hear from Sergeant Baker is obviously, it's a, you know, they've kind of got a very dark, sardonic sense of humour. Yeah. Kind of almost a kind of, a, like a, a you know, kind of a reverent sense of humour. Hmm. You describe, I mean, they use the imagery later on, but it's obviously it's kind of a bit of a, kind of python-esque kind of right. feel to some of it okay. but kind of you know at this stage they're a little bit darker than the cartoony stuff that would come later on right um but this song is actually quite you know pretty somber lyrics really yeah for... I, I hadn't like read the lyrics to this at all mm. previous to preparing for this sure and yeah it's it's all about a commentary on people coming to america yep. for the american dream yeah and that not happen. Well, yeah, it's like falling through the cracks. Yeah. It's about, I mean, you know, it's about the dark side of the American dream. To you know, I mean, to be fair, I mean, it's the track's called uh, American Life, yeah. and it is basically this American life years uh, right ahead okay. of time. Yeah. Hi, my name is Ira Glass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's kind of pe- talking about people coming over uh, from far away to, to improve their life, and then having to work menial shit jobs forever, and yeah. you know. Uh, the third verse is about an American vet who's homeless yeah. and has been forgotten by the system, that sort of stuff. So it's it's definitely, it's a commentary, it's a political commentary about mm-hmm. what's happening around him. What I, what I like about this tune, though, is it's, uh, I always like the message of the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very on the nose. Sure. Uh, but, you know, I think it's I think it's decently written and decently phrased. I think the, you know, the, the oh, examples are, are No solid. issues with that at all, yeah. But musically, this song's fucking great. There's just so much, you know, it, it doesn't stray into... The, the kind of the really kind of wild prog that later Primus would become. Right. And where they lost me a bit, truth Oh, I see, told, yeah. Right? Okay. But this is, you know, a tight, well-written song, uh, but just with some ridiculous displays of musicianship running through it. And it is, it's, it's weird a lovely and wonky. And... I mean, if you, if you did have this as an instrumental without mm-hmm. his singing and lyrics, I could still listen to that. I think there would be a really fantastic kind of... A menace to it that just sort of growling, yeah. angry. So it's kind of got a, a, you know, kind of a, I don't know, like a dystopian chocolate factory feel to it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't 
what it means. But the, the, but the uh, it does do the skiddly bop bops though later. And I was thinking about you. I was thinking, oh no, how's he handled the skiddly bop bop? Well, yeah, no, I, I, I let him get away with it because it's so ridiculous for skiddly everything. Bop, bop, yeah, skiddly. the, the uh, whole thing, his whole stick is so ridiculous. But so you're letting fine. you're letting him off, but you won't let Freddie off. Yeah, you fucking make me sick. He's dead. Well, you can't fight back, mate. No, that is true. Yeah. All right, uh, next one you want to do was uh, Jerry was record driver, yeah? Which is track number five. Number five. What all a right. fucking run. We should mention that yeah, as well. Yeah, you know, three, four, five. Three, four, and five in there. And track six is fucking great as well, but. Uh, not on your list. But not on my list. All right, so yeah, Jerry was a race car driver. And I suspect this was the first Primus song I ever heard. Because I would have heard this in Blind Mirage, the club we used to go to. And I was like, what is this? And what I like about this, like, is hear the instrumentation. They've actually managed to make this sound like a car. This does like, not say okay. No, it doesn't sound like a car, but it invokes. Oh, I see what you mean. That. Okay, right. It's awesome. I mean, it's 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 almost not in tune with itself, but it's brilliantly done. I, this also made me think, why have more hip hop acts not sampled Primus? Because those bass lines would be brilliant yeah. as a as a bass. Yeah. As a bass. Yeah, That's great. I mean again, this is a song about this is a song about a man that likes driving his car really fast. Really fast. Yeah, fucking said I've worked Chris Rear. <laughs> Racing home for Christmas. Racing home for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's a stupidly irreverent song. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like you say about a man at last the thing that that I like about this right is they play this stuff that is so ridiculous and they make it sound so effortless mm. right oh they really do and they there is no sense of preciousness about the material there's no like we are creating fine art they're like no, well, we're no, creating true. some pop culture shit and we're going to have a laugh whilst we do oh, it oh they're having the most fun yeah absolutely they are having the most fun doing this oh absolutely I mean have you ever seen Primus Live they're having fun right sure you know they're, they're playing that they, 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 they care about the shit and yeah. they're playing it but they're having fun at the top I mean like watch Les Claypool move around the stage doing his weird walks and oh, stuff. right yeah brilliant mate absolutely love it um, but, you yeah. know um, this is to me. This is kind of the right side of the the weirdness of Primus. Yeah. Uh, and this was also the one. This was the first single, uh, like you say, video all over MTV at the time. And I remember this was the first one I heard in a club, which made me go, "Who is this? Yeah. I I should know more about this." And I think this is the one that you would probably play to someone who'd never heard Primus before, and they go, "Oh, I, I heard you like this band. What what do you recommend?" I would go straight into this. Yeah. yeah. And this is, you know, this is that part of alternative uh, like, you know, American music culture that I started to get turned on to mm. and became the basis of everything that I really cared about for a fucking long time. Right, sure. And it's still, and this stuff is, you know, this is at the absolute core of my music taste. Yeah. This is the stuff that, you know, I'm, you know, I listen to this stuff and I'm 18 again. You know, gotcha. I, I, you know this, and you know, I, I, I make no argument for this being, you know, kind of any better than somebody else's album that holds exactly the same place for them a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. I, you know, got to have enough self awareness to know that there's that combination of youth and freedom, yeah, uh, and music that comes together. And whatever soundtracks that period you're well, indeed, gonna, when you got to it. But this still fucking holds up technically because it just can't not. It's oh, it still sounds fresh. Yeah, you know, yeah. what I think is really interesting here as well is obviously you've got the tides are shifting. The tides are starting to shift. Yeah. We're seeing hair metal dying. Yeah, it's, okay? it's dwindling. It, I mean, it is and it isn't. I mean, it's still got a massive commercial bite. We're going to talk about Guns N' Roses album in a few well, weeks. That's true, yeah. Okay, so it's the, there are the millions of people that like it haven't just gone away. Oh, right, but it's it doesn't hold the same cash. It's not what the kids are into. No, it hasn't. It's lost its, you know, you know, you know, we're a culture that requires something to be new. Yeah, exactly. Right? And it wasn't. But what you've got is stuff like this starting to come out now. And you know, again, Faith No More yep. was a big catalyst behind this. Again, yeah, another sure. Bay Area band, like you say, Mike Bordens. Yeah, he's on know, that. You know, these guys kind of getting signed off. Jane's Addiction. You know, I mean, Jane's Addiction. I mean, we'll talk more about Jane's Addiction when we talk about Smashing Pumpkins. Mm-hmm. Um, but. You know, the, the the weird stuff that was coming out of the Bay Area around this time, you know, obviously you got Red Hot Chili Peppers as well. Yeah. 
mind funk what mind funk uh, no, I don't know them. Okay, you got you basically got a, the, the kind of the funk metal scene. You know, suicidal tendencies, yeah. infectious grooves, living color to an extent. Yeah, living color as well. You know, the funk metal scene. You know, if you look at the Bill and Ted uh, Bogus Journey soundtrack, yeah. it's fucking full of it. Yeah, Alex true. Winter was loving it, right? Well, Primus were in that film, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Yeah, actually, yeah. Um, and you know that stuff kind of gets swept away to a degree with the earnestness that comes when you get grunge. Grunge, right, sure, okay. Okay, and this we'll, the playful side. we'll discuss what fucking grunge is because grunge never really existed. <laughs> and it, it, it never really did. It, it, it's, a, it's a very wide catch-all label it's, for a lot of different things. It's, it's an umbrella term, mate, that, yeah. that covers everything from Nirvana to Nickelback. Do you know right, what I mean? Right, sure. Puddle them up. Puddle them, fuck off. Don't, well, I had to use those words last week. Yeah. But yeah, so, but I, I'm really... If grunge hadn't come along with its kind of punky simplicity and mm-hmm. everyone can be everyone can be a grunge star kind of thing yeah i wonder where this would have gone i see okay would, would, i do wonder would more bands have gone this mm. way i don't know, this know a bigger scene um the next one that you chose was tommy the cat yeah i mean i had to pick this really oh, didn't I? Uh, absolutely absolutely this is the other big one on here that I think more people will know without necessarily knowing Primus. And it's a brilliant fucking riff. I mean, that's just like a, c- a cacophony of sounds. Oh, yeah. At, like, I remember the first time I heard this, I was like bombarded with it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you, not until you hear it a couple of times, you start picking it all apart, really. Right, but it's all tight as fuck as well. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. It's perfectly done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you say, when you were about the fact that these are kind of stories about weird people or weird situations this is particularly strange yeah, yeah. I mean it really is it's a, it's a story about a cat yeah. and a sexy cat yeah no not a sexy no it's definitely not a sexy well, not, cat not, not sexy slinky but a sexy all the cats want him no just a fuck machine of an old gnarled tom <laughs> he's, he's basically this is a murderer and a fucking I mean you know uh, and you know the interesting thing is here mm-hmm. I mean the lyrics to this song are so fucking brilliantly put right? uh-huh. getting Tom Waits in to deliver them as that's well, a nice touch I mean it's I mean there is no one more perfect for this role right than Tom Waits Tom Waits doing Tommy and the interesting thing about this song is um, the phrasing of the voice of Tommy the Cat when Tommy the Cat does his speeches yeah like it's one of those time signatures that's like Spoon Man, for example, where okay. it's, where it's deceptive how kind of off kilter the time signature is. Right. And if you've ever seen in like in a club someone trying to sing along the words of Tommy the Cat, yeah, and just see how many times they fuck it up, they fall out. I'm sure I would have known what it was at some point, but it's it's the way that the words fit, and it's the way that um, play the verse a minute. You see what I mean? Like, Jazz scat almost. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 just fucking so erratic the mm-hmm. way the words are placed in it. Right. That it's you know it's kind of no, no matter how many times I've heard that song, I've heard it fucking thousands. No, of sure. Times. I'm still halfway off the beat half the time when, <laughs> right, I'm, trying to, when I'm trying to when, if I try and fucking go along with it, and that's. For for the big main single, because this was the biggest single of this record, I would say. Uh, I mean, I'd say the bigger one of yeah. It wasn't yeah. the first one, but it was the bigger one, definitely. Yeah. Uh, it's just such a weird thing to be a successful record. Oh, it's crazy. It's it is really out there, man. I fucking love this record, man. Like my friend Ian Cherry gave me this record. Yeah. Uh, and of everything that he gave me, this was the thing that just I was like, "This is me. Right. This is the fucking weird, pronky kind of fucking funny, deliberately obtuse. Everything's got a sense of humour. Everything's yeah. fun. I loved this. So whenever you got it, was this one of the ones that you just listened to over and over, excluding everything else for a while? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know I came within a whisker of getting a Primus tattoo. Oh really? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If I'd have I had see. the money at the time, I would have. I would have done it. I would have a Primus tattoo. I now. see. Okay. They, were, they were my favourite band in the world for 
like for, I mean for what was probably not that long but my favourite band in the world changed a lot around that time because I was just okay. discovering so well, many yeah, no, things fair enough but yeah, I mean, like you know, the, the break, the, like the breakdown into the chorus mm-hmm. every fucking time. Yeah, and that you know the wild guitar that's just fucking go. It, like, it, it, it almost feels like a runaway train. The guitar. Okay, nice. You know I mean, yeah, it really, yeah. it's like it's like oh, he's, he's he's playing too fast, but we can't stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, originally written by the original guitarist. Uh, Todd oh, Hoth, was it? This was yeah. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, you can hear the live version of it on "Suck on This." Oh, right, so it's from the, yeah. their first live release, but isn't it? all these kind of little weird bass accents that are on everything as well, just mm-hmm. like, ah. Oh. Anyway. I, uh, well, also, I love the bit where, where it does it just breaks down to just drums and Claypool singing well, over hey, the baby, top. Did you yeah, down, exactly, the, uh, and then builds back up to when it comes, crashes back in. But yeah, that bit where it's just that syncopated fucking funk beat with Say Baby, all that stuff over the top. That's beautifully done as well. Yeah, and it, you know that, that it's the it's the tightness of everything because mm-hmm. without that, this could just be some rambling, noodly bullshit. Oh, of course, but everything is. Bang, bang, oh yeah, bang. and these songs. I mean, they they're not long ramp. They're not prog in that way. They're four minute songs. Yeah. They don't go beyond. They don't stay. I'd stay. They're welcome. You know. Anyway, um, okay. Well, the last one that you had though on your list to listen to of the five that you chose. Uh, is those damned blue-collar tweakers. I hear this build. Like you, like mm. you start off with that kind of... It's almost like an alarm going yeah. off, yeah. It's like a factory alarm, isn't yeah. it? That's what I like. They, they do... Like kind of use sounds, and obviously I feel like the sounds inspire gotcha. a story. Gotcha. Very simple this one. Where it builds, the bass comes in here. Yeah. But it's a much more straightforward groove on this one. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Really straight down the line. So well, and he uh, like just it's a lovely sound. He hung mm-hmm. it mighty quick. So this is basically lyrically, this is a song about meth head, fucking tradesmen, basically. Yeah, yeah it really is. I mean, it's kind of almost sci-fi in that way. It's like <laughs> it's kind of almost like they live, but it's like kind of uh, yeah, those damn blue collar tweakers. They're running, they're running this, this time. Town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and as I only found out last night when looking into this. Les Claypool used to be a carpenter. Oh, yeah, of course. So did. I don't know how he possibly came up with this idea for a song about no. workmen on drugs. That's crazy, isn't doing it? Doing drugs to get them through the day. No. I, don't, I don't know. My uh, my my pal Patrick Carmody, who's a uh, who's a, a comedian and a scaffolder, has plenty of stories to tell about. This. Does he know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, it, again, this is a a great groove to it. You know, it is. Yeah. It's just a a, a a more downbeat, low slung. Uh, bum, 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 driving group, but then as it builds and as it grows, you've got kind of like it, like Les Claypool does. It's pretty much his most histrionic vocals in this. And right, like, those higher. Yeah, God, I couldn't even. Well, Did you hear Christ. that go? That was bad. That was. I, mean, I was trying to go for it. My voice just cracked. <laughs> I mean, I've got no. I've got no upward range. Listen to me. I'm a deep and husky man. Oh well, yes. But yeah, but then and that that's how, and then that solo comes in underneath it. It just completely lifts the whole mm. song up again. Uh, I mean, I I really do think it's That's a, not, a great song. Yeah, no, I, whenever you were going through, because obviously I knew, the ones I know best are Sergeant Baker, Jerry, and Tommy Cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're big, big three singles. The big three singles. Um, but listening to this one especially, as your suggestion, one we should talk about, this is a great choice. Yeah, yeah thank it's, you. It's a really good one. Very, 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 I love this. Terrific. Yeah. Terrific. Well done. And so, yeah, so this album came out in this time period. Yeah. I was totally unaware of it. You were aware of it before I was, but neither of us were on it at the no, time. No, not at all, man. Not at all. Nah. This was... This was this was too far out of my knowledge at all. No, but I, do you know what? In terms of being introduced into this, I'm glad... I mean, this is like being dropped in at the deep end. This oh, I suppose, yeah. Do you know what I mean? This isn't and for like... a 15-year-old living in England. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'd been 16 when I heard it. But yeah, I oh, mean... Right. Oh, no, uh, sorry. Um, but yeah, I meant... Had you heard it on release, oh no, I wouldn't you, have got you, this. You'd have been a fifteen-year-old 
living in England yeah, with yeah. no, uh, you know, relevance to this. So yeah, it would no, have been. I, a, I don't think I don't tougher think, sell. I don't think I'd have got this yeah. at the time. No, I, I don't. don't I don't think I'd have. I'd have I was building up to it. I was. Just, I mean, I said that I was listening to Faith No More at this time. Yeah, but this is this is another step. Yeah. Faith No More are just a great, more straight ahead rock. Apart from stuff like Woodpeckers from Mars, which is fucking out there, blah blah yeah, blah. Yeah. But this is another notch. You are right. Yeah, you are I think absolutely so. right. Okay, wicked. Wicked. Right. Nice. Uh, so yeah, fantastic. Great album, and a good one to to have a proper solid chat about because it's. It's one that you're obviously passionate about. Yeah, I mean, I do. I mean, the, the the playlist, as always, for this podcast is available. Go to our yes. Uh, go to our Spotify, which is PCL Podcast. Uh, I'm guessing so. Fucking, I think so. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's linked from our website. I know yeah, that it's much. linked from our website, or can't, if you can't find it, like DM, tweet us, yeah, yeah, tweet us or DM us or some shit, and we'll send it to you. But I really, I mean, listen to the tracks. If you if you don't know this band, if you don't know this album. Go and check it out. Yeah, I, look, that's a good intro sampler, actually, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's not going to be for everyone. There's going to be plenty of people no, listening to this that probably won't like it at all. But uh, if you get on with any of these tracks, just go and check out the album. Yeah. It really is, uh, I think, a classic. It's worth it. Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We're on Twitter, at PCL Podcast on Instagram, also at PCL Podcast, and facebook.com slash PCL Podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is pclpodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on pclmusicpodcast at gmail.com.